It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the program. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Lauren Tate is with us as well on this rainy Saturday morning. We've got uh, 64 degrees and steady rain in Midtown Champaign. Good morning, Mr. Tate. How are you? Good morning. Been an interesting couple of days in the uh, sports world, hasn't it, this week? Have the Cubs lost any players yet today? <laughs> Not today yet. <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk more about that with uh, David Kaplan coming up at 9.15, a lot going on. What would you say, uh, 100 players? Over 100, yeah. I think it was 114 players were traded in just this uh, rush. I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Certainly, I've never seen anything like the Cubs where it all started with Schwarber. By the way, Schwarber got traded again. He, he's with the Red Sox now. Yeah, you and couldn't keep up with it late in the day I, yesterday. Yeah, I know. It's hard to keep up with or it. Or mid-afternoon. The deadline was 3 o'clock champagne time yesterday. A lot happened in that between What's noon it and look three like o'clock. When John Lester starts pitching for the Cardinals, there's going to be people, there's going to be people that won't like the look of that. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to warm up to it either. <laughs> well, but uh, if, it, if he gets them out, that's it, all that matters. If he could throw some strikes, if you're a Cardinal fan, that wouldn't hurt anything. Cardinals uh, beat the Twins last night five to one. The Nationals over the Cubs four to three. The White Sox beat Cleveland six to four. It was Illini night and Missouri night at Bush Stadium last night. Yeah. So uh, Dana Howard was on hand to, to do some stuff there and some a uh, lot of orange and blue in the stands for the uh, Cardinals game, interleague game against the Twins. They'll play again this evening at Bush Stadium. And then uh, the day before that, on Thursday, we had the NBA draft and the uh, IO drama, if you will. As the, the longer that went in the first round, the more nervous people got. And then in the end, I think it worked out about as good as it could have. Well, after after he got by number thirty, when that's the end of the guaranteed contracts, now he can still negotiate a contract. He just needs a good, strong agent to to sell him, and but he won't maybe get the four years that uh, are guaranteed for all the guys in the first round. Well, for guys like that, the second contract is the key contract. Mm-hmm. If you get yeah. to a second contract, oh, look, look what Myers Leonard did. You're home free, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's never been a consistent starter. He's been a role player throughout his career, but he had a couple of good contracts uh, since uh, being drafted out there in Portland to begin with. And he was, uh, until the other night, he was the most recent Illini to be drafted. Yeah, I I, I would think that, that he's got a, a chance, a better chance with the Bulls. They're not great at guard. They only had one guard that averaged double figures, if you don't, you know, if uh, – Depending on what a guard and a forward are, you know, a wing player. But uh, I guess uh, the one guard that averaged uh, 15 points for the Bulls uh, has, has have labrum. I think uh, Dave Kaplan says he's got labrum surgery uh, that's going to make him questionable uh, for the start of the season. So there might be an opening there that, that uh, he can step into. At least the key thing at this point is that he makes the rotation. Because if you don't make the rotation, then you're likely to wind up at some point in the uh, G League. 
And I guess uh, the the statistic on that is that 45% of all the players who started the season in the NBA were at one point or another in the G League. Can you imagine that? 45, that's almost half of the players that you see on the court in the NBA this year at the start of the season, 45% of them had played in the G League. And Io will begin to play in the Summer League for the Bulls yep. coming up soon. And Georgie Bashanasvili is going to do the same mm-hmm. with Denver. Yep. So he, he might get a shot there. George bounced around seven or eight teams here in just the last couple of weeks. Well, he? yeah, he worked out for a lot of teams. And uh, Io did the same thing uh, before the draft and had interviews with a lot of the teams as well. And both those guys are impressive people off the court. Yep. And I think uh, yep. those are guys that if you have a spot where they might work – uh, work their way into the rotation. Those are good guys to have around. I think Io's going to be fine in Chicago. I think it it couldn't have worked out better. I, yeah, I think that's right. But he's, he's still got to perform, and, and he's got to, you know, the, he'll be in a lot of games, and that will determine the, his future, how he performs. Speaking of the future, you know what happens four weeks from today, don't you? Four weeks from today to start a football. First football game against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. At uh, Memorial Stadium in Champaign. One other thing I want to bring up, and I know you were going to, tomorrow marks the 20th uh, year of Dyke Edelman's death. It'll be 20 years tomorrow. Right, August 1st. Yeah, the greatest athlete, maybe, all-around athlete that Illinois ever had uh, from Centralia. Of course, they won the state championship in in, at, in Centralia. And then, of course, he, he, he had the second-highest high jump in the in the Olympics. He didn't win it, but he... He didn't exactly finish second since they gave out different kind of award, you know, the, uh, the number of misses and that sort of thing figured in. But he had the second best height in the high jump, and of course, you know about football, where he had the record in the in the uh, in the, in punts and, and punt returns. And basketball, he was Big Ten Player of the Year. So, how much more can you do? We'll talk more about Dyke a little bit later on the show and uh, some of our memories of getting to know him. Uh, when I first moved to town back in 1981, he's one of the first people that I, that I met, and uh, and we formed a real, real good relationship, and really really miss him. It's hard to believe it's been 20 years. Yeah, it is. In four weeks, the first football game. Let's talk some football. George McDonald is on the line with us, wide receivers coach at the U of I, former wide receiver himself. Good morning, George. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. You're I'm guess, guessing you're getting uh, pretty anxious uh, to get things going here. Practice begins uh, next week on Monday. Tell me about uh, how things have gone so far. They've gone good. The kids have had this week off as a discretionary period, but Tank um, Tank Wright, our, our strength coach, has done a great job over the summer getting those guys stronger and, and faster, so we're all excited to get going and, and to have our first team meeting and, and have our first practice. Everyone's, you know, today's our first, or really our last Saturday off, so so just at home relaxing, but looking forward to getting with the guys tomorrow. Talk about uh, the wide receiver room. You got an addition here in the last couple of weeks with Isaiah Williams moving over there. But uh, tell me how you feel about your room. I feel good. They've had a good, you know, the guys that have been with us this spring understand what we're trying to create at that position. And, and Tank's done a nice job getting them stronger and faster and developing, you know, their mental toughness. And, and the, what I've talked to those guys, they're really excited to go out and compete. Um, so we're looking forward to get going. George, this is Lauren. Uh, let me ask you about Williams. <coughs> excuse me, and Beeson. <coughs> they were at different positions, and now they've had very little work at receiver, other than you know, on uh, this summer. 
uh, how do you intend to work them in? Or, or do you have a plan for that? Yeah, we have a plan. You know, starting with Isaiah, you know, he's, he's played the, um, the position in high school, and I think he has a unique um, advantage just because he spent so much time at quarterback and understanding, you know, where he needs to be and how he needs to get there. So now it's just working on, you know, just a little fine skill sets that he needs to develop. So, you know, we'll work him in in the offense and try to get the ball to him as many times as we can in different in different ways. And then Beeson, you know, he's he has a unique mindset also just coming from the defensive back position, you know, so he knows how he's trying to stop the, the receiver. So now he can use what he knows about DB to help him at wide receiver. But both of them are really young. They're, you know, they're really good athletes. So, you know, we have practices before we have to start worrying about Nebraska really to get them acclimated at wide receiver and, and see where they fit in the scope of the offense. You've got a number of uh, transfers in there, Hightower being one, and, and uh, I, I'd say you've got, what, at least four guys that have played previously at other, other schools, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, you know, Hightower transfer, but he played last year. Mm-hmm. We have Peyton Vining mm-hmm. and Jafar Armstrong. Um, those two really are the only transfers that we have coming in. And then we have Keon Battle, uh, who was at NIU, so total those guys with four. Um, so I think it's, it's a good opportunity to, to create competitive depth and, and to bring some new blood into the room and, and, you know, really raise the level of that group. And you got a couple of really quality tight ends on the team. How do you work uh, – how do you integrate the passing game with both the tight ends and the receivers? I mean, you're coaching the wide receivers, but you're not coaching the tight ends. How do you work those together? Well, I think Coach Peterson, our offensive coordinator, you know, he does a great job of blending the run and the pass and making sure that we're going to use all our weapons. I think that's the biggest thing that Coach B has really challenged us as an offense is to make sure that the offense is built to get the ball to our playmakers. And, And obviously we have some really good tight ends. We have really good running backs. And we have really good, you know, receivers. So I think it's going to be a, a, a really fun challenge just on a weekly basis of finding out, you know, how we can put our best players on, on their weakest players and, and try to move the ball and score points. Talking to George McDonald, fighting a lot of assistant football coach. How's the summer gone as far as uh, the reception that you guys have gotten as a coaching staff, uh, not only across the state of Illinois, but across the country as well? I think it's been going good. I mean, Coach B's really challenged us to, to be out in the community in terms of being in Champaign and Urbana and then just recruiting the state really hard. And I think we've, we've re- tried to reestablish a presence with the high school coaches. And, and I think by doing that, it's, it's allowed us to get into some homes and, and to get some attention of some kids across the country. So, you know, it always comes down to what you do in the fall, and, and we're preparing for that. But I think um, we're on the right track in terms of f- recruiting and identifying and selling the brand that Illinois has to offer. Give us your thoughts on the guy that will be getting the ball to your wide receivers, Brandon Peters, uh, most people think will be the starter uh, going in. Uh, your thoughts on what you've seen from him. You haven't known him a long time. Yeah, Brandon's a good leader. You know, I mean, he's done a nice job um, in the spring in, in terms of coming in, learning the offense, and, 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 and directing the group of guys that he's been in charge of. Um, I'm excited to see him. Um, go with the other players that we've added. And then, you know, we also have some other players at that position that it's going to create some competitive opportunities. But, you know, Brandon's done a, a nice job. He's played a lot of football. He's very mature. Um, and he's a guy that, just like other guys at different positions, we're, at, we're counting on to provide leadership and, and, and to help the team. George, what can you tell us about Nebraska and their defense? You know, they're, they're a good defense. They've always played hard. You know, they're going to be big up front. They're athletic on the on the back end. They've lost some guys, but 
Um, we, we know they'll have some guys. I know it's going to be a game that we're going to have to come out and compete and, and do the best things possible to, to make sure we come away with a victory. What's their linebacker situation? Did, did they lose somebody there, or, or uh, am I mistaken? I think they have lost some guys either through the transfer and, and through graduation and things like that. I'm not 100% sure of their depth chart. I don't know if they've, they've published a finalized depth chart going into the training camp yet. Uh, George, what what do the coaches like you think about the uh, SEC move and taking Texas and Oklahoma? What uh, I mean, uh, do you feel like there's uh, any uncertainty? Uh, does this create uncertainty within the ranks of uh, of other programs? Or as he, as everybody kind of wonders what's going to happen next? Uh, not for me. You know, I've been I've been just focusing on getting my position better and, and getting ready for Nebraska and, and training camp. So. There's a lot of uncertainty going on in college football. Um, the one thing Coach B challenges is, is just to do our job and to focus on what we're trying to get done. So um, I know we got a game the 28th, and, and I'm excited. I know we start camp tomorrow. Um, so those are really the two main things that I've been focusing on. So what are you going to do on the, your last day off? <laughs> well, right now I'm making a Costco list and a, and a, <laughs> and a grocery list and then um, you know spending some time with my family. It looks like it's raining a little bit, so hopefully – There'll either be some rainy fish, or if the rain stops, we'll go to the driving range and hit some balls. So I'm excited to spend some time with the family. And uh, what what will you do on Sunday, and then what will you do on Monday? Uh, Sunday, the kids will report. You know, we'll have our general meetings, and then Monday we'll get a chance to really get into to some football and, and to get on the grass and to you know hug each other and throw the ball around and hopefully catch it and 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 do all those things. So you know, the next couple of days will be a lot of just set in the foundation of what training camp will be and, and, and paperwork. And then once Monday starts, we'll really start getting into the nuts and bolts of, of creating the team we want to become August the 28th. Hey, George, appreciate your time. Enjoy your last day off and look forward to seeing you here in uh, person before too long. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. You bet. Thanks, George sir. McDonald with us, wide receiver coach for the Fighting Illini, getting us kicked off on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk coming up after our first break. We'll talk things over baseball-wise and uh, NBA-wise as well with David Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago. At the bottom of the hour, Mike Carmen from the Lafayette Journal and Courier. We'll talk some Big Ten football with him. Leading off the second hour of the show, the uh, latest addition to the Illinois basketball coaching staff, Tim Anderson, will join us. And then at 10.30, Kedrick Prince from the Quad City Times will talk. Check in. We'll talk some basketball with Kedrick as well. In the meantime, the phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. David Kaplan joins us. From uh, Chicago, it's been a weird, uh, busy couple of days for baseball fans and Chicago sports fans in general, the NBA draft on Thursday night. But let's start with baseball. The Cubs are selling. The White Sox are buying. Uh, Just kind of get us caught up to date on the feeling around uh, the north side, first of all. Well, if you want to listen to fans, they are upset, and rightly so. They see... You know, a team win the World Series, and then here we are five years later, and basically the entire core of star players are all being traded in deadline deals. But if you want to hear people in the industry, they will tell you they think the Cubs 
remade their franchise in one day. Uh, now, not every prospect is going to hit, but I think they look at Nick Madrigal, who is the key guy in the deal with the White Sox, and they see a guy that can bat in the two-hole in their lineup for the next five to seven years, play second base. He is an on-base type guy, which is what they've needed. Everyone has screamed, Javi Baez strikes out too much. And then when they trade Javi Baez to get a guy who they control now for the next few years and who's a really good player, then everyone goes nuts. Well, what do you mean? Wait, hold on. You traded my favorite player. That team wasn't going anywhere. Let's just really boil it down. They were fun to watch. It's the greatest night of my Cub fan life being in Cleveland when they won the World Series. But since then, what have they accomplished? Nothing. They've gone to the playoffs and scored one run in two games last year against the Marlins. They didn't make it in 19. They lost the wild card game and the tiebreaker for the division the day before, scoring a total of two runs in two days against the Brewers and then the Rockies. So it was time to change the approach so are you going to pay Chris Bryant $240 million and 200 to Javi and 100 to Rizzo and then go, oh, hold on a second, that team wasn't good enough for the last several years, but those are our guys. We love them. So I understand fans' angst, but I also understand Jed Hoyer going, that's it. I'm cleaning the decks. I'm going to bring in some new players, and then I have no payroll, so to speak. I can go to the winter meetings and do anything I want to do. Well, we don't have any way of knowing this at this point, but do you think maybe the the rebuild of the Cubs might come a little quicker this time than the, the last time they did it? Oh, Jed Hoyer has told me, please don't use the rebuild word with us. He said this is a retooling. Like, if you think back to 2016, the New York Yankees traded a handful of guys, including Araldis Chapman, who they got a really good player back for him in Glaber Torres from the Cubs. They got a handful of guys from the Cleveland Indians for Andrew Miller, and they were right back in contention within the next couple of seasons with a very good team. Now, are the Cubs going to be in contention in 2022? I don't see that. 2023, though, is definitely a possibility. They're not in a division where you think, oh, boy, I got all these financial behemoths that I can't compete with. They are the financial behemoths. Now, if you tell me they're not going to spend any money and they're going to have a Tampa Bay payroll, yeah, then they have no chance of turning this quick. But I'm being told, dude, we're going to spend money, but we're going to spend it in different ways than we have. And they've got to do a better job developing pitching. They feel like they have some in their system now. We'll find out. The one, uh, Dave, the one trade I, I don't understand is Rizzo to the Yankees. They've got Void. Are they going to DH one of those guys? What's the plan there? You mean the Yankees? Yeah. I mean, they've Rizzo's got Voight. going to start for them. No, Voight's going to be gone. They're going to get rid of Voight. They'll figure out something to do with him. Rizzo is their starting first baseman. Okay. They like him. They're going to give him three months to see how he plays in a high-pressure environment. But I know Anthony exceptionally well. He eats pressure for breakfast. This guy's a cancer survivor. He won the World Series with the Cubs in the most pressure-packed environment of all time when you hadn't won in 108 years. So, yeah, I think they're going to give him every chance to stay a Yankee with that short porch. Let's see how he performs. But I, I think he is clearly the starter over Luke Voigt. Uh, you mentioned B, 
financial behemoth, and it looks to me like San Francisco, Los Angeles, and the Padres are it. I mean, those three are they're playing great baseball on one hand, and on the other hand, they're adding to their, their talent. Nats, uh, uh, Scherzer has gone to the Dodgers along with Trey Turner, who will bat second, play second base and bat second. I mean, they, they, this, is, this is overloaded on the coast, isn't it? It is. Now, how the Padres are pulling this off, I'm not quite sure because they don't have the TV deal that the Dodgers have. The Cubs are hoping that their deal with Marquis turns into a really good deal, but they were the victims of bad timing. They were locked up till 2019. We'd already start to see what's called cord cutting in cable television, and so they did not have multiple suitors offering them stupid money like the Dodgers got. I think the Dodgers get some crazy amount of money. I think their deal was worth almost $7 billion with a B dollars over a number of years. And so the Dodgers have a $275 million payroll today, 275. They are going to play perhaps a team like Tampa who has a payroll under $80 million. I mean, that's just crazy. That's literally crazy, the disparity because of the TV deal. So we're going to find out if the Cubs can truly make money off of this marquee deal because I can tell you those West Coast teams are playing at a different level. Still, they're going to have to get the fans back. I mean, no matter what you say, some fans love Baez, some fans love Bryant, some fans love Rizzo. They're not easily – I mean, I know how I'd feel if the top three Cardinals were gone. I just, I'd just be kind of in despair. So you got to overcome that first, I guess, but they'll still have the 40,000, won't they? Uh, I would think that they will take a hit until people see this team start to turn the corner. Now, if Nick Madrigal comes in here and hits, you know, 325 and is a batting champion and you look and go, wow, Cubs are actually better than we all thought they would be. They will never have a problem filling that ballpark. But right now they have a PR problem. They're going to have to convince people, and they're going to have to do it with transparency. They're going to have to convince people that they have – a plan, and that plan, like it did in 2016, is to win the World Series. We're going to find out if people are going to buy in 100%. And by the way, did you see that your Cardinals made a trade right at the deadline? Yeah. Yeah, I'll say John Lester, can he pitch? John Lester. Now, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, but that's going to sicken me to see him in a Cardinal uniform because <laughs> – I'm a Bears fan. I don't like the Packers. I don't like Notre Dame football, but there's no team in any sport I despise more than the St. Louis Cardinals. Talking to David Kaplan, let's go to the south side of Chicago, the White Sox going the other way. Talk about what they've done to improve themselves. Well, they go out and they get Cesar Hernandez and Ryan Tapera yesterday. Hernandez from the Indians, the second baseman. He's okay in terms of offensively as a put-the-ball-in-play type guy, but he's got some sock in his bat. He has 18 home runs. Uh, He's a guy who fits well in their clubhouse. All the reports are he's a really good teammate. So they get a guy who just fills in there. They can worry about second base next year. So they've got Danny Mendick, who's down in their minors right now. They just sent him down today. Uh, Leury Garcia, Cesar Hernandez, and then they get Ryan Tapera, who had a really good year for the Cubs, and they gave up a Class A left-hander who throws 95. So that's really like a lottery ticket. Sometimes they work. More often than not, they don't. Uh, but then today, I was told there were 10 teams bidding on Craig Kimbrell. 
In the end, it was down to three teams, uh, the Dodgers, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Chicago White Sox, and the Cubs got a reliever in Cody Hoyer who throws 97, 98 miles an hour. He's going to get every chance to come in here and, if not close, be that eighth inning guy on a team that's not going to have a very good second half. Then they get Nick Madrigal. But the White Sox now run at you. If you're Lance Lynn, Lance, give me five innings in the postseason. Give me all you got empty the tank for five innings. Oh, and then in the sixth, I can use my $23 million lefty, Aaron Bummer. I can use last year's number one pick who throws 100, Garrett Crochet. Let's go to the seventh, Michael Kopech, you're in. Let's go to the eighth, Liam Hendricks or Craig Kimbrell, whichever one I feel is not going to close that day, pitches in the eighth. So if these guys are hung up, I have to close, then they're not about winning, and I don't believe that. I think both guys have already communicated. I think both guys are in agreement. There will be days that they want to close because it's the right matchup, and they will. And there's going to be days that they'll be the setup guy. But with that type of back end, that type of velocity from Kopech, from Crochet, from Kimbrell, from Liam Hendricks, oh, oh, baby, look out. Okay, Cap, are you ready? Io DeSumo went number 38. Tell me how that happened. Well, okay, here's – I'm putting my scouting hat back on. I scouted in the NBA for four years. I love him as a player. I hear great things on him as a kid. But if you look at him, is he a pure point guard that you hand the reins to and go, go run my team? No. I can't tell you that that's who he is. Is he a lights out, reverse the ball, kick it to him, knock down the three shooter? I can't tell you he's at that point either. I think he's a, a very good player that now comes in, and he should, and I think his comments indicate he feels this way, he should have a chip on his shoulder. You guys are going to let me go to 38? Just like the kid from up here, right where I live, Jalen Brunson, who's playing big minutes for Dallas, he slipped to the second round. A lot of people went, how does that happen? Well, there's really good players. You have the European influence of guys that go, and so there he is sitting there at 38. If I'm him, Man, I am ready. He said today, it's time to go to work. I have a chip on my shoulder. It's time to go to work. He's exactly right. Because if I was him, I'd be really freaking ticked off that not anybody in the top 37 thought I was good enough to play for them. Screw those people. I'm going to prove to you what a good player I am. So we'll see. If the Bulls hit a home run, it's a great pick. How does he fit with the Bulls? I mean, they got Levine, who's a swing forward guard they've got a, a another guard or two that uh, that are pretty good players but does he fit in the top four let's say uh backcourt uh well you've got a, a labrum surgery for kobe white so i don't know when he's going to be back he hopes to be back by the time they start camp labrums are really really ticklish so let's assume that he's going to be limited so if kobe white's off to the side I think they're going to sign a veteran point guard with their cap space, whether that is Lonzo Ball, whether that's Dennis Schroeder, whether that's Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, or they go out and make a deal for somebody else. They're going to have a veteran point guard because that's what this team has needed for far too long. So, yes, Io has a chance with Kobe White's sideline to get some minutes, but I think more importantly, they like the guy. They worked him out. They liked it. 
They the interviews that they did, I was told he hit a home run in his meetings with the Chicago Bulls. So again, he may not see a ton of run as a rookie. He may not, but I do think they're all about developing this kid. So if he's truly ticked off and it's time to go to work, put up or shut up. And so he should be in that facility every day, busting his you know what to prove to people you guys doubted me, and I'm a better player than you realize. Bulls may have hit a home run. It's in his court now. That's David Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago. You always know where he stands on things. And he <laughs> made some good points there, didn't he? Yeah, he does. And, and you know, as far as I was concerned, I know everybody, uh, maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder. That's fine, but I don't think that's going to make any difference. Everybody's trying, every rookie's trying to make their team and, and – the, the key thing for him right now, as I see it, is that if, if the Bulls make a trade and go for a, another top guard around, then that's not going to help him. But the way things are right now, uh, he's in pretty good shape. It's 931 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk at 933. This is Steve Kelly. Lauren Tate is here as well. We do have the phone lines open. We're going to talk some Big Ten football now. Mike Carmen is with us from West Lafayette, Indiana. Covers the Purdue Boilermakers. Morning, Mike. How are you? Great. How are you guys? How's the weather over there? Oh, nice and calm and cool. And I'm sitting at the golf course right now, not playing, covering Covering two events today at the golf course. Well, we'll give you a little heads up that you got some rain coming. <laughs> it's raining here in uh, Champaign-Urbana, but uh, usually it heads your way after it uh, passes through here. But we want to talk some Big Ten football. You were at uh, Football Media Days last week, and uh, both Purdue and uh, Illinois are kind of in the same boat as far as not getting a lot of preseason love, aren't they? Yeah, that, that, you know. I would I would ask when is the last time Purdue got any preseason love uh, from anybody. Uh, so it's just not something that happens. And when you're coming off a um, a two and four year where you lost your last four and uh, you've made a lot of changes uh, on the defensive side, then there's this there's a lot of question marks that have yet to be answered. And um, you know I thought you know they might get picked fifth, but six is probably kind of where they belong right now, and they have to find a way to kind of work their way up. What are some of the uh, concerns about that football team as you look at it here, even though they haven't started fall practice yet? Well, I, you know, I think we don't know exactly how the defense is going to look. Um, you know, there was a complete uh, wholesale change on the coaching staff there. You know, they got rid of the, the, the coordinator, and they brought in four new coaches on that side. Uh, they plan to play more aggressively on defense compared to last year. Uh, but, you know, how that all fits together, uh, and just from a personnel standpoint, do they have enough personnel to, to do what they want to do right now? So, you know, those are those are some of the questions on the on the defensive side. I mean, they have some players that they can build around, George Koloftis being the, the defensive end, probably their top player on the defensive side. And then offensively, they've struggled to run the ball the last couple of years. They've, they've been last in the Big Ten in rushing yardage. Um, you know, they still haven't named a starting quarterback uh, for uh, for the season, which is typical of what Jeff Brom does. So uh, they, they have a lot of questions that need to get answers. But there, there's some talent in some, some spots that, that can carry them. But 
obviously they're going to need some other players to, to step up and, and be impact uh, guys this year. Mike, you haven't mentioned Bell yet, and he's the guy that scares me when, when you play Purdue. I mean, this guy looks like one more year and gone to me. What do you think? Yeah, I think him and George Karloftis are – uh, they've, they've been on a path since they got here, you know, uh, get your academic stuff in three years, graduate, and then move on. You know, and I think both are probably ready to move on. Uh, I, I would look for both of them to have big years. Yeah, but David Bell is just one of those guys that you just, okay, he's here, he's going he's gonna to make his catches, he's going to make his plays. He's not a concern. Uh, you can lean on him when you have to. Uh, but, you know, he needs to have a big year. Their star players need to have a big year uh, for them to, to do anything. I'd like to ask you about Indiana. You're right there in the same state, and you you recruit against them, and you play them every year. Uh, is this is this uh, the is Indiana really going to be as good as they think they are? Well, um, you know, I think they can be. I think Tom Allen has recruited really well, and they've added some transfers. Um, and he, you know, he's he's got the program kind of where he wants it, with the kind of players that he wants to be involved in his program and it, it appears that they are ready to take that next step are they are they ready to win the big 10 east you know I, you know I, that may be still uh, a ways off or that may not be a you know part of what happens this year but their, their program is definitely trending upward um, and a lot of you know all the credit goes to Tom and his staff and what they've done down there you know the one thing that you want for Indiana um, is not to make the same mistake they made with Bill Mallory many years ago, thinking that they could do better. And I think Tom Allen's the perfect guy for that program. I think Indiana's the perfect place for him. He doesn't need to go look any, look any, anywhere else. He's built a nice program. He's built a nice situation there. Just keep moving with that, and and you hope the administration sees that. And because you know, for the Big Ten to be really good, you need longevity at some of these places with some of these good coaches and i hope hope tom allen stays there a long time can you say the same about uh, purdue and jeff brom uh well i mean they they need to pick it up this year i, I would think um they, they they've struggled the last couple of years um but i you know i think jeff again i think he's still good for purdue i think purdue's good for jeff but they, they've been they've been hampered a little bit by the injury bug the last couple of years but they've also made some bad decisions when it comes to hiring coaches, which, you know, Bob Dialco was a bad hire uh, last year for, for Jeff, Jeff and probably set his defense and his program back a little bit. So they've got to climb out of that hole a little bit. And I think what he does offensively for the program uh, is huge. Uh, I think that he's been able to secure some top-level talent like David Bell, George Kaloftis, and some other guys uh, to help them. But they, now they just need to fill in some holes but yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, Jeff Brom can be a good long-term solution for Purdue. But as you know, if you don't win enough at some point, you're going to be shown the door and, you know, they're going to start over. Mike Carmen, there's a, a lot of shakeup going on in, in football or in divisions right now. Uh, I shouldn't say divisions, in conferences, and I'm getting around to divisions. Do you see the Big Ten staying with the divisions that we ha presently have? I think right now they're they're probably going to stay east and west. Uh, now, what happens? Does the Big Ten want to add a couple schools? Uh, in in my opinion, the Big Ten should not do anything from an expansion standpoint or a realignment standpoint. There's just no 
other than Notre Dame. If you can get Notre Dame in, great. But otherwise, what's the point? They're not uh, any school that's out there that hasn't that's not tied to a conference or you know that would be from the Big Twelve or another league. Just doesn't add any value. They don't add enough value from a TV standpoint to warrant uh, bringing in two more mouths to feed, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and then you're going to, you know, the, the pie is going to get a little bit shorter at that point. You only expand or realign if you're going to benefit benefit from it financially. And the SEC clearly will. Uh, the last time the Big Ten expanded, they, they clearly benefited from that. Uh, and I, I don't see that happening right now with the current group of schools that are out there. And I know people are probably saying, well, you know, Kansas brings a lot in basketball. They do. But, Lauren, as you know, football or expansion and realignment are all about football. Yep. It's about nothing else. It's all about football and the TV dollars. So there's really no program out there that is really um, knocking your socks off to say, hey, they should be in the Big Ten. Would you see the Big 12 staying at eight, or do you think they'll add a couple? to replace Oklahoma and Texas? Well, I, I think for survival, they, they they need to add, but I'm not sure who they add. And now that their relationship with ESPN has soured so, yep. <laughs> by by some of the things that Bob Bosley said yeah. this week, yeah. um, can you get a fair deal out of ESPN from a TV standpoint? I think one of the most interesting schools right now out there is Houston. And not because they're a powerhouse in football, it's just because of the market size. Mm-hmm. I think they're number three in the country with population. Uh, it's a hotbed of recruiting. Uh, it will open some doors. Not that the Big 12 needs doors open in Texas, but if they were shipped to another conference, that could open some doors for that conference. Houston's just kind of interesting. And, you know, I, I don't know if a school like Houston would make any sense for the Big Ten. Probably not. But. Uh, it, it's intriguing a little bit just to, just to think about it. Another couple of minutes with Mike Carmen over in West Lafayette. Purdue, uh, unlike some of the Big Ten teams who are opening with a conference game, Purdue does not play a conference game until week four against Illinois. But uh, the Boilermakers open against Oregon State, go to Connecticut, and then go to Notre Dame before uh, facing Illinois in the Big Ten opener. How do you feel about the, the first three games on that schedule? Well, they need to be two and one. <laughs> right. They need to be two and one. They need to beat Oregon State. They they got to beat UConn. They're probably not going to beat Notre Dame. So uh, if you can get out of those first three games two and one, and then you you hit the conference season with Illinois, the games at Purdue, which Purdue will probably be favored uh, a little bit. Unless it rains. Unless it rains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Unless they say monsoon, <laughs> uh, which has been known to happen before. Uh, but yeah, I think. Ideally, in those first five games, if Purdue can get out of there, you know, the perfect situation for them is to be 4-1 and one after those first five games. And then, then they have an off week, and then you figure out a way to get two more wins after that. Three and two you can work with if you're Purdue. Uh, so, but those first three games, or the first two games are crucial for them because they can't I – don't, I don't think they can recover if they're one and two or two and three in those first five. That's – those first three, those first two games are just so important for them to get off to a good start, get a get a two and zero record, you know, try to build a little bit of momentum. But then when you jump in the conference, there, you know, really be ready to 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 to, to do some things to really set your up, set yourself up for the second half of the season. 
I think we've all come to the point where we don't expect anybody to beat Ohio State. But I want to ask you, I got a sneaking suspicion that Minnesota is going to give them trouble. At Minnesota with a veteran team, a big line, and Ohio State playing 50, 50, you know, 50% of their players are new. Kelly's shaking his head here. He says, no, no chance. What do you think, Mike? Could Minnesota pull a surprise there? I, I see what you're saying, Lauren. I really do because it's the first game, new quarterback. Yep. For Ohio State, and as you mentioned, a lot of new players, but a lot of those new players <laughs> I are know. probably ready for the NFL. I understand. <laughs> but it's at their place, and I think, yeah, that that could be – you could probably circle that game in pencil and say potential upset, uh, You know, especially because, as you said, Minnesota's got a lot of guys back. Their offensive line is huge. Uh, they got a great quarterback in Tanner Morgan. Yeah, You know, the Big Ten's – maybe the Big Ten's best running back out there uh so they've got they've got some uh they've got some weapons that they could they can attack them with but can that can that defense slow down ohio state yeah that'll be the problem kelly what do you think show me the money (laughs) (laughs) get your pocketbook out there (laughs) no 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 no. hey mike appreciate your time always good to catch up with you and we'll let you get back work there on the golf course thanks all right thanks for having me thanks mike Mike Carbon with the uh, Lafayette <laughs> Journal and Courier over in Indiana. And you can follow him on Twitter if you like, at Carmen underscore JC. A couple of uh, notes on the text line. Uh, why slash how did Franz Wagner get drafted so high? I don't know. I just. It's all on potential, mis- but. It's the biggest mystery I've ever seen in a draft about players that I think I know a little bit about. Right. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to repeat some stuff that I got in my column tomorrow. But, <laughs> but uh, he had one basket against Illinois when we played him. He had one basket in the UCLA loss of the in the tournament. He was one out of twelve in three point shooting at the end. I mean, he averaged twelve points. What was it? Twelve points a game or something like that? I don't know. Maybe it was more. But I mean, wh- he was second team All Big Ten. What did they see that I don't see? Is he that good defensively? They must think so. I don't, I don't well, know. I know they think so, but, I mean, are they thinking right? I don't know. Can you? Did, how much did his brother have to do with him? I mean, he's, you know, did they feel that the DNA is the same or something? Maybe. I mean. <laughs> I can't explain that either. Let's go to uh, the phones here before the break. Alan in Montrose. Go ahead, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh I know what you're going to say about the Oklahoma-Texas situation and the reason why they went there. One word. But Greed. Would you, <laughs> well, that, yeah, exactly. Uh, why would you want to do that when you got a better chance of going to the national title game where you're at now than you do with the SEC? Well, money. Going to make it, make when it you ask why, uh, the so. answer is money. Well, Okay. You know the is big the Big Twelve is just not not bringing it in like the SEC and and they add uh, a lot they add an awful lot to the SEC but but I'm like you I I mean they're going to first of all Texas hasn't shown in the last twenty years that they're really a, a they, that they're any threat to any kind of championship are they I mean Oklahoma's what Oklahoma won they? six in a row have they big Texas 12? and Oklahoma is always going to have a chance to be there. I mean, you're right, but you know the uh, the situation with the uh, the schools there, they could they could turn it around 
Lockwood and say Illinois or anybody else, a lot of other schools. When they say it's not about the money, it's mm. about the money. It always is. Yeah. Even more so now. Yep. Every day. I see every this day, as, as just Texas and, and, and Oklahoma's just going along. I mean, if you're Oklahoma, you, that's what you do. But Texas is just showing no respect for the other eight teams in that, in that league. And, and they've, they've really put them at a tremendous disadvantage now. They can't continue as an eight-team league, I don't think. And they don't have the, they don't have the star power now without those two schools. That, that league is just going to be the tail-end league of the top five. I think it's too bad. I, I mentioned, Texas doesn't have any respect for his neighbors. <laughs> You're right. Somebody mentioned uh, last week that Ohio State might be interested in moving. That's not going to happen. They got, they, got, they got the cat by the tail right, right where they're at. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, Alan, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Got the phone line open, 217-356-9397. One other text we got from San Francisco. Thanks for listening out west. Any chance you could get the uh, get some interviews with the incoming basketball freshmen for the Fighting Illini? Normally, with the freshmen, they don't make them available for their first uh, interviews until media day, which will be coming up later on. And then once the season starts, once they start playing, you can talk to them. But usually, usually media day is the first time you talk to the freshmen. If the freshmen want to take that to court, they'd win. <laughs> yeah, they probably they would. We're going to take it to break right now. We'll keep the phone lines open until 10. And thereafter, if you'd like to join us, back with more on IPELA Saturday Sports Talk after this. 9.52 Saturday Sports Talk brought to you by Alana IPELA and other great sponsors. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Thanks to our first uh, three guests of the uh, first hour, George McDonald, Illinois assistant football coach, spending his last day off in a while before they, uh, the team reports tomorrow and practice begins on Monday morning. And uh, then we heard from David Kaplan on a variety of topics, and we just completed a conversation with Mike Carmen over in West Lafayette. Not seeing what's happening out there, but we, we, we get... Stories that we hear from Bielma, hear from other people. I I understand that uh, that they think now that after seeing Isaiah Williams work out, that they think he's going to be terrific. But the thing that uh, Bielma kind of let out the other day was the fact that George came to them at some point midway through practice in the fifteen spring practice. Says, I need some help. <laughs> <laughs> he he just didn't think his he, he he saw a possibility of adding a couple guys, which they did. Beeson and and Phil. now neither one of these guys are very tall, and I think that um, when Lovey was uh, confronted with the idea of moving Isaiah a year ago. I think he may have made some kind of a response like we don't need another short receiver because they had several of those out there. But I think, he, I, I think the way he said it was another slot receiver. Okay. <laughs> which is another way of saying another short receiver. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> right. But uh, I, the point I'm making is that it sounds like we've got a, a real uh, burner in, in Isaiah. We haven't heard that about Beeson yet. But Beeson played receiver. He played both ways in high school. Yeah. He played receiver. Now, and he was a kick returning guy, too. Isaiah played quarterback. Yeah. He didn't play receiver in high school that I know of. But maybe he played receiver before he played quarterback, but he was an all-state quarterback. Right. 
And uh, offensively, uh, Beeson has already been at that position, but he's been injured, Beeson, and uh, the first two years have been nonproductive for him so far. Now, whether that's going to change this year, we'll see, but he was a four-star recruit. We mentioned uh, earlier in the show that August 1st, which is tomorrow, marks the 20th anniversary of the passing of Dyke Edelman. Do you remember the first time you met him? Well, I, I guess I don't exactly remember the first time I met him so many times. Uh, uh, and I, you know, I was in his hospital room the day that the decisions were being made that, you know, where they had to go forward. And, and uh, it was a really tough decision for his wife at that time, I know. And then, and, and, uh, and I was there, I was, I, I knew him. Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw him, I didn't meet him, I saw him. At a, at a restaurant in downtown Champaign, and I thought, you know, I was just, there's Dyke Edelman. <laughs> you know, right. And he would have been, uh, that would have been in the 1940s. That was when he was playing. I did, I believe, what turned out to be the last interview with him about a month before he died. Is that right? And uh, But when I came to town in 1981, I had heard of Dyke Edelman just being a sports fan all my life and a Big Ten fan, and, and I was kind of in awe when I met him the first time. I remember when we had the... Uh, the media luncheons over the varsity room. We seemed like we'd always end up you, me, Dyke Edelman, Jim Shepard, three, four other guys at the same table. And yeah. hey, Chief, how you doing? Hey. He called everybody Chief, yeah. didn't he? And, yeah. and it was, that way you don't have to remember anybody's exactly. name. I'm, I'm going to start doing that. That was brilliant. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great strategy. But uh, just the things that uh, you'd learned by just listening to a guy like that. Yeah. Well, he was. You know, he was. The thing I remember about Dyke was he's a. He was a fundraiser for the University mm-hmm. of Illinois, and he always, we'd sit down and sometimes he'd say, boy, oh boy, can you imagine how much more we could raise if we could just win some games? <laughs> <laughs> because he was, you know, he's trying to raise money when the team was losing. That's really hard. Well, we certainly, uh, we certainly miss him and, and Lou Henson. You know, it's just been right out a year since Lou Henson yeah. passed away. It was it's July 25th. I can't believe that. It was July 25th last year. I can't so believe it's been that long. We have both those families in mind, Jimmy Collins' family and but uh, hard to believe that it's been 20 years for Dyke. Yep. A lot of folks missing Dyke Edelman, for sure. 956, some other uh, texts we have uh, received here in the last few minutes. Would the Big Ten have any interest in picking up Oklahoma State? Don't think so, but don't know. I guess you never say never. Um, another text is very concerned about how the Big Ten will handle the data or the uh, Delta variant of covid Will vaccinated players be sitting out? Will vaccinated players be sitting out? All or, the players, at least unvaccinated, right? at least Illinois players. Brett Bielma hopes to have the whole team vaccinated by the by the first game. Yeah, but the things that are happening now in the next few weeks are a little bit scary in terms mm-hmm. of masks. I I see where the YMCA is going to require everybody going in there. I think Jim Dye just sent me a message that that the Y here is is going to require masks unless you're in the pool. <laughs> I mean, that's just the start of what I see is a whole bunch. I'm, I'm getting my masks out and getting ready to go with them again. Let's go with uh, Mark calling from Florida. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, good morning. I want to disagree with the uh, man from the Lafayette uh, paper about yeah. expansion and yeah. realignment. Mm-hmm. I think the Big Ten needs to really get on their horse because if not, you know the SEC is going to try to be even a bigger power grab. They're going to try to pick off teams, especially if it looks like the ACC is going to 
evolve later. Uh, they're going to pick off like Florida State, the traditional powers, even though they're down right now. And so in that vein, the, the direction it looks like, for me, the Big Ten should go, considering both football and football potential, as well as basketball, would be to get, see if they could poach, money talks, Clemson and Notre Dame to the east, USC and Oregon to the west. That makes you on an equal footing with the, what the SEC is going to end up being. Well, um, there's talk of, you know, I, I, I don't think Clemson, the, the contractual situation, Clemson is going to make it almost impossible, or at least for years in, in ahead of time. And uh, I, I guess what you're saying, I suppose, makes sense, but I don't like it. And so I guess I can't be supportive of it because it just hits me as wrong. I think what I don't Oklahoma, want it. I, you know, I think what Texas and Oklahoma are, are doing is selfish. I agree with you, Lauren, but you got to play in the same pool. And, you know, you know yeah. that they've got to be able to compete down the line. And how are you going to pull recruits? How are you going to, you know, I mean, you've got to end TV deals. When the Big Ten network re-ups, if they could say that's in the works, it doesn't have to be done. And, like, supposedly it's 2025 before Texas and Oklahoma, although we all know it's going to happen faster, uh, or to be in the SEC. So I would start all that back channel now, the way they did with Texas and Oklahoma. Well, I sure wish that uh, we had the old commissioner, Delaney, in there uh, making this decision That's because right. I don't have much confidence in, in the uh, operations of the Big Ten right now. I just don't know. I, we've got too many rookies that, in the commissioner positions, including Jim Phillips, who's going to fight like the devil to, to keep, his, uh, keep his teams together. Of course, everybody's trying, but uh, – I don't know. You, you know, there's some talk. Uh, there is talk about what you're uh, recommending, but how do you how do you pick two schools out of the Pac-12? Well, I think you you, you take your first swing at Notre Dame. Well, and then the, whoever the second one is is whoever. That's a swing and a miss. I know. And we we know that. If you could get Notre Dame, though, they have a natural rival with USC. That's why I'm including USC. They're down right now, but they're a traditional power. You get Oregon. They're both good in football and basketball so you cover the west coast you get the east coast with clemson the southeast and then you you know notre dame a national name not a bad thought we'll see what happens hey thanks mark uh, right, for the thank call you guys. yep thank you 10 o'clock wdws champaign urbana a lot i fellow saturday sports talk hour number two is coming up stay with us It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody. At 10.04... Rainy skies and 65 degrees now in central Illinois. Had some basketball talks, some baseball talks, some football talk in that first hour. We're going to begin the second hour with some more basketball talk as we welcome to this show for the first time, Illini assistant basketball coach Tim Anderson is with us. Good morning, Tim. How are you, sir? Good morning. Good morning. Just want to touch base with you. Uh, you've been a week on the job. What have you got done this week? Anyway? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, the first week you're just dealing with HR stuff and filling things out, trying to get a routine and, you know, um, you know, seeing how things work and, uh, you know, getting to meet everybody. And um, I'm just um, I'm just excited and, and just, you know, grateful for the opportunity to be a part of a of a great, you know, program like this. And, and then one of the biggest things that, that here is just like the, the, the staff is, is really, really good with Joy Biggs and Fletch and Zach and Tyler, even Nicole, you know, those that they're like really, really good. And they've been really helpful, you know, helping me transition. Part of meeting everybody, of course, is uh, meeting the, the guys on the roster and getting a chance maybe to see them work out a little bit. Talk talk a little bit about uh, what you see there as far as the talent level coming back now that Kofi's back in the fold. So that's that's uh, that's also a big big difference as well. You know, um, having having the guys when we're able to go ten deep and you know um, really really good in the backcourt, really good up front, really good wing. Um, we got some guys that can play. Um, just really, really competitive guys. Uh, you know, coach. That's one thing that coach uh, preaches every day. Um, you know, com- compete. Um, just to be able to be around them. And but one of the other things, they they, they like each other too. Like they all kind of hang out and they all you know be around each other. And that's 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 really, really, really important. And um, and I think you know Brad and the staff here did a really, really good job of building a culture. And and I was you know in my first interview, I think one of the um, one of the things I said that was alarming to me was uh, the amount of guys that come in every day and get extra work in. Like it's, and when when um you know when I, when I saw it the first few days, I you know I kind of was like, hey, is it another workout or something? Like, am I missing or something? But you know the guys just come in on their own, two three at a time, one, and they they set up times to come and get extra shots in, and they got their routine, and that's you know that's 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 really really important, and they understand the structure of winning. Tim, this is Lauren Tate. Uh... I, you being from the central part of Chicago, you know about the Bulls, you know about what happened with Io. What's your reaction to him dropping out of the first round, which he had been predicted all along he would go in that first 30. What's your uh, reaction to that, and, and, and how do you see that developing with the Bulls? Right. Uh, first of all, Lauren, I'm, I'm, um, can you still hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, first of all, I'm, I'm uh, excited to be on the you know, phone with you. I've heard a lot about you. You've been doing this for a long time, and uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be here. But I think one of the one of the things that people don't understand uh, with this process, and you know, me being involved with it for a while, if you're a top 40 pick, it's just as, just as good as being from number 25 to 40. You're pretty much going to get the same contract. So Io, of course, is a first round talent. But a lot of times, things go into things like maybe fit. It could have been a situation where a team wanted Io, and and the agent maybe thought it wasn't a good fit, or Io thought it wasn't a good fit here and there. But being a top 40 pick is the same as being a first-round pick. And a lot of people don't understand that your contract is pretty much is going to be guaranteed just like the guys at the back end of the first round. But, um, you know, I just wanted to put that out there, and a lot of people don't really get that. But I think the opportunity is, is uh, huge for him. You know, hometown kid, um, humble kid, works his tail off. Uh, and then just to be in that culture, I think they're creating. I think they got a really, really good front office. I think they got some good pieces with marketing, with Pat Williams and you know, the rest of those guys and uh, Levine. And I think they're building something really, really special. When you add a winning piece uh, like, like Ayo, he, he's just a winner. Like, he can go in and just do whatever needs to be done. So um, I think that's a really, really great opportunity for him. The city is excited for him. The city is excited, like always. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for a guy like him who's came up and been a blue-collar guy and 
And uh, it's just, I think it's just great times around the city for Chicago basketball and, and, and uh, Illini basketball. Tim, I'm going to take you a little bit away from basketball for just a moment because you mentioned in your uh, earlier interview that you were you were involved in trying to reduce violence within the city and trying to do the things you could. Uh, speak to that and what you see as the future is. It seems to be headed. I may be guessing wrong here, but it seems to be headed in the wrong direction in a lot of ways as far as violence in the city of Chicago. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and like I said earlier, Lauren, I um. I don't know. I can say probably that, you know, violence is at an all-time high, but I just think the social media presence makes it more uh, visible, and you can see things, and, and things get around a little bit quicker. But um, I, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think it's going in the in the, in the, in the, in the right direction. Um, and it's, like I said earlier, so many different uh, factors that go into it, and I think mental health is really, really important. Um and people never really uh, attack that. And um, that's one of the things that I'm trying to attack. And of course you try to get, you know, guys ready for jobs and job, you know, um, um, you know, job training and, and get them jobs. But a lot of times, you know how, how it is, they just excited to get the job until they get the check. And then now they got to do the work and nobody really want to do the work. You know, a lot of people really want, don't understand the process of doing the work. They just want the reward, you know, from the work. So, there's so many different factors that go into it, and that's that's something that's really, really dear to me. And I've always uh, been integral in that. Um, having a relationship with all the men, the state rep, and the community people, and the community leaders. I did toy drives, Thanksgiving, um, turkey giveaways, uh, back to school events for the last 15 years, and I did it out of my pocket. And uh, and I'll do it. I'll continue to do it again because I just you know want to be the change. Uh, that I want to see, you know, that people want to see. And, I, and, I, and it starts with me. And, you know, Lauren, I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. I've did a lot of things. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I had a do-over. I could have did, did different. But, you know, just being visible and, 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 and being in the community and helping as many people as possible, that's, that's something that's really, really near and dear to me. You know, I, I think Jimmy Collins once told me that uh, basketball, in a sense, in the city is protected from – from the problems that are, are otherwise uh, sweep through the the west and south side, is, you, do you see that? Oh, absolutely. You know that's that was that's the that's the Godfather for us. You know he's the one that, that laid the blueprint. He's you know um and, and he's had a lot of success in what he's done. And you know I got a chance to meet Jimmy when he was at UIC. He recruited me a little bit. I uh, had a really really good relationship with him and Coach Coons and meet him and the rest of those guys on the staff. And Jimmy. Jimmy gets it. Like Jimmy is a real, real relationship type of guy, and I think that's one thing that um, you know basketball has done in other sports to kind of give you a pass in the city. Um, but those lines, Lauren, they cross. They cross a lot, and people don't understand that. Like everybody um, in Chicago is affiliated with something, not even because of they picked something, but hey, his brother was this, his uncle was that. They was born here. They was raised over here. You understand what I'm saying? So. Now it's like, okay, you know, because we don't really pick where we get to, you know, be born or live and none of that stuff when we're little. And, um, and, 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 when, and, and, you know, people don't understand that. So the demographics play a huge role in that. And, uh, and Jimmy was really, really good at navigating that and, 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 and understanding that too. But, yeah, I think athletes definitely get a pass. But a lot of times those lines cross. We're visiting with Tim Anderson. Illinois assistant basketball coach, Lauren Tate, and yours truly, Steve Kelly. How, how far back, Tim, do you go with Brad Underwood? you remember when you first met him? So, you know, you see Brad on, on the road all the time. Um, I really, really, uh, you know, I always see him and I speak to him. It, and Brad is different because you see him and 
you know, in coaching in the game, he's totally different off the court. Like he's cool, he's he's funny, he talks, you know, and he's and and so you know when you sit, he'll talk to anybody. So I was probably a Texas Pan American, you know, school that someone really that no one really knows of. And um, you know, you see Brad on the road, you'll speak, he'll have a conversation with you. Like I was at the University of Kansas, so he didn't really matter. Um, it didn't really matter to him what was on your shirt, what what shield, what logo was on your shirt. I, I don't even think he remembers that. But I'll, every time I see him on the road, he's just super cool. I see him in the airport, he'll have a conversation. But I really got a chance to sit down with him when he first got the job. And uh, and I got a feel for him. And um, and I just knew he was a no-nonsense type of guy. kind of took me took me uh, by surprise a little bit how stern he was with certain things that he was going to do and what that he wasn't going to do. And and um, and I and I think that's that's that has led to him, you know, being successful and building this culture. As we enter the month of August tomorrow, what uh, what is the amount of time, perhaps, that uh, you guys as a coaching staff can spend with the team as we move towards the fall? Uh, it's the same thing, I think, as uh, 20 hours a week or some, eight hours in the weight room. Mm-hmm. They they got the demographics kind of kind of figured out. Um, like I said, I'm still figuring things out. I, um, but I, I think they're all leaving at the end of the week for two weeks. So, uh, you know, they, they get to go home for a little bit and, and, and recharge and then get back to it. Uh, so, You know, uh, Tim, you probably got a quick peek at some of the players, and we're, all, we're hearing things that uh, maybe that uh, – Hutcherson Payne and some of these uh, plumbers, some of these uh, guys that we haven't seen are, are going to be major factors. Is, can you speak to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Plumber can shoot it. Uh, a great communicator, a great person, high energy, uh, easy, easy to get along with. Great teammate fits right in. Uh, Hutch has a chance to really, really be special. He can do it on both ends at a high level. He just got to continue to believe in himself and work on his game. And um, he 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 wants it, and uh, uh, he he has. And Omar's oh my God, he's he's athletic. He can go get it off the top of the backboard. Um, he moves well. He runs well. Um, him and Kofi competes every day. And one thing about that, I, you know, being around Kofi, Kofi is such a positive guy. Like, you know, he he brings positive energy. He's helping. Like he's always coaching on the court. Like him and training Bello. Like those guys are extensions of Coach Underwood. Like a lot of times. And Monte as well. A lot of times, coaches say, "Hey, you guys get it together." And they know exactly what to do, you know. And um, and just being around that 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 type of environment is totally totally different. These we got some guys um that's that's gonna really really be able to to make an impact. Uh, and, and you know, coach want to go go ten deep. We got some pretty good freshmen too, you know, Potts and Melendez and Luke, and you know, we got some, got some guys that I think that can make some stuff happen. And um, you know, you got. The sturdy veterans, Grandison and, and Monte, and you know Trent and Trent and Bello going at it every day, and it's, it's, this is uh, this is like so refreshing to, for me to see this, and um, and it's just like this this team is really really good. They compete at a high level, but they really really like each other. You know, I, I when I saw Kofi the other day, I thought he's really thin. <laughs> I th- somebody <laughs> think, well, you're crazy, Lauren. I mean, how can he be thin? He's 285 pounds. But we're, now when you were standing up close, didn't he strike you as being really in top shape? I mean, thin wise. Uh, right. And, you know, and, 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 and that's what, so, you know, Brad is, Brad is never satisfied. So Brad, oh, we want to lose. We want to tone up a little bit. I'm looking I'm like Brad looks like Shaquille O'Neal when he was in LSU. He looks like a, a goddess. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? But, you know, I didn't say anything. And, but he looks phenomenal, and I and and you know, and and I've recruited against this a lot. Uh, Fletch, 
Fletch is really, really good at what he does. Me being able to see him this first week, he does a lot of things different. Um, and he has the respect for the guys. He spent a lot of time with him on and off the court. Uh, and he's really, really good. Like, he, he is phenomenal in what he does. And, you know, I remember being at DePaul and, um, and, and kids were, uh, you know, was decided between Illinois and, and DePaul, and they was asking about our strength and conditioning program. And I'm like, you know, uh, Illinois' program is really, really good. I'm like, oh, you know, and I got it because I really didn't know about it, but I'm steady hearing about it, and I had to go look it up and do some research. I'm like, oh, this guy's really good. But when, when you see him and be around him, you understand why. Like, this, this, the program is totally different. Like, these guys really have relationships with the guys. Like, everybody has relationships, and that's important. Hey, Tim, we appreciate your time. Good to uh, catch up with you, and uh, best of luck on the new job, and we'll be talking to you down the road. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day. You Thanks, too. Tim. That's Tim Anderson, Illini assistant coach for men's basketball for Coach Brad Underwood. 10-17. We've got the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. You know, Pella has created the Lifestyle Series of Wood Windows and Patio Doors, and uh, they provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency at amazing values. Most of the styles are available with the triple-pane glass, which improves energy conservation. Pella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency, plus you can personalize solutions for each room in your home with available product packages at the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. With the Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your project's unique style. And with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find the Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors a very nice complement to your home and budget. Stop by and see them Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Give them a call, 356-6474. Or visit uh, the website at PellaOfChampagne.com. Say hi to Mike Mary and the staff out there. The Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. We're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Ten twenty is your time on this Saturday morning. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, chugging along until 11 o'clock. 217-356-9397 is the phone number. Let's go to the phones and welcome in John calling in Champaign. Go ahead, John. Uh, yes, I just got back from uh, Mississippi. Now, this wasn't Alabama. I was in Mississippi a couple of weeks. You could not find a Mississippi anything there for their university. Everything is roll, tide, roll. And I, I was just saying there's no way we can ever compete without uh, Alabama. No way. Mississippi loves Alabama. That's everybody there roots for. So that's the whole South roots for Alabama. I mean, to me, that would be like going over to Bloomington, Indiana, not seeing one Hoosier T-shirt. Everything would be fighting Illini. It's just amazing. I, I, Ohio State, you see nobody in the country have I ever seen that where the states around that state root for them like Alabama. Interesting. I guess I didn't realize that. I didn't either. I assume. I, I mean, it's unreal. I mean, I couldn't find. I finally, after about 15 stores that we've been in, I saw I saw a Mississippi Rebels T-shirt. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Alabama T-shirts across that whole state, 
everywhere you go, it's roll, tide, roll. And that's not in Alabama. That's in Mississippi. Right. Good stuff. Thanks, John, for letting us know about that. Okay. All right. That's what winning does. Yeah, it does. Long-term traditional winning. Put up those W's over time. Some other texts on our text line, the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357 is the text line number. Uh, Good luck to teams like Vanderbilt, Missouri, and the Mississippi schools, as a matter of fact, trying to have success in the new SEC. They're not having all that much success in the old SEC. No, I was going to (laughs) say, the the strangest thing of all is I read this article this week about Texas's the record of Texas in the last 20 years. It's really very average. It's amazing. They're not what they used to be, just no. in a very similar way as Nebraska. Yeah. You know, Nebraska was a blue blood football yeah. school yeah. for sure. But Texas has got population. They've yeah. got That's true. They've got players around. They've got more money than Nebraska can dream of and they've got players all over the place in Texas. Of course there's a lot of schools in Texas whether it's Houston or Texas Tech or mm-hmm. Texas Baylor or whatever, you know, with the A&M there's there's enough schools there to, to fight for the talent, but there's no excuse for Texas to have the record, football record that they have based on their opportunities. Another uh, text person asks, are there any Big Ten schools at risk for departure? It'd be the first time, unless you go back to Chicago way back when, of yeah, anybody they, leaving the Big Chicago Ten. Chicago left for different reasons sure. entirely. No, there's nobody has left the Big Ten, and I don't think anyone will, but I would say this. Uh, I don't know where Rutgers and Maryland fit in this whole long-term thing. Maybe they're in the Big Ten forever, and I don't think anybody else wants them, so I guess we're stuck with them. I, I shouldn't say that about Maryland, but I don't think – I don't. the Rutgers thing is that's – a weak, that's a weak program. And Penn State's been in it long enough now to to, to be, a, oh, yeah. be thought of as a Big Ten school and, yeah. and certainly a, a – and benefit I, having them in. And I think Delaney, uh, part of the reason that Delaney looked east was to have partners for P- Penn State. I think back in the day, though, originally Penn State took a look at the ACC mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Which yeah. could have made some sense, I guess. Sure. But uh, the Big Ten landed them those years ago. Um, but, yes, yeah, so with, with probably no chance of people leaving you start looking at who else you could add if you decide to add and do you look i don't know there's nothing natural no missouri's gone well missouri would make sense if they what if they rethink it uh, missouri made semi sense in the but we already you know i don't know if uh we i think we felt like we had the st louis market in the big 10 before uh, as you know, with Illinois, but but I, Missouri would have been a better fit than than Rutgers. Let's go back to the phones, and Marty is with us from Pinehurst. Hey, Marty, what's up? Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. How you guys doing up there? We're good. How about yourself? Still kicking. That's good. Uh, as I, you you had a couple things you were hitting nail on the head earlier when you said uh, you sure wish Jim Delaney was still around. Boy, do I. Um, as I remember, and I still think he made, as Lauren said, a mistake on Rutgers, but their their reasoning was media footprint mm-hmm. uh, when they expanded. Mm-hmm. It's not only a good football program, but it's media footprint. They would be more likely, if you earlier caller talked about the ACC, and he's right that Clemson is a great school. Well, let me ask wise. you a question. 
How yeah. many thousand miles is New York from New Jersey? <laughs> yeah. Well. I know. I lived record, in New Jersey two years, so I know a little York. bit about New Jersey, and I'm telling you, yeah. New York's another world. Yeah, New York doesn't uh, watch records. That's that's not the deal. Um, they they were talking, if they were going to go after schools to kind of go after them, continue that media footprint, they'd be looking like University of Virginia and University of North Carolina, where they'd get the same quality of state schools, good education, and they would pull in media on the East Coast and tie up that Delmarva area. And uh, that makes more sense than a Clemson does in a lot of ways. But uh, I don't know what will happen. Uh, I know something will have to because once this starts, it never stops. That's true. But you're going to have to go to a football-only conference if you're talking about bringing in West Coast. It makes no sense to travel these minor sports no. all over the country because they can't afford to do it. Yeah, that's right. So they're either going to have to get people close to their eastern schools where they've got records in Maryland and Penn State or they're going to football-only conference. I don't know. I, I kind of long for the years of just the Big Ten was the Big Ten. Here's, here's what I wonder, and this is a little bit of a tricky statement here, but if you had Pac-12 schools in the Big Ten, you're going to find yourself headed for a an all-football situation, and how do you treat the minor sports then? If if you ever separate football, as, as it is now, football pays for all the other sports, right? Yep. yep. That's what they do. Yep. Now, if you ever separate them and you've got football operating on its own and they've got their own budget – how did the, did they dispense money then for the other sports, or does this or does well, this? That'd be, that'd be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? I I like conference schools being conference schools and having an identity where they're tied together. I don't like this idea of flipping around just for the big item, which is money. Um, it wouldn't be necessary, you know, if Illinois and Purdue get back to playing reasonable football and. So to a couple schools in the East to become more competitive, you don't have such a need to try to go elsewhere, I don't think. There's enough population. Sometimes we're just a little greedy, Lauren. Well, so, we're, just a little uh, greedy, Lauren. we're certainly seeing that out of Texas. Texas hasn't been relevant since John Makovic was their coach. They haven't had a good football team in the last 20 years at all. They're just Texas is an ego-driven university, period. I don't have a lot of respect for them because they, they don't treat their neighbors well, and they they have basically defecated on everybody in that conference ever since they were in it because they thought they were the big stud on the block and could do whatever they want. They go to the SEC, it isn't going to be that way. Hey, Marty, thanks. Appreciate it. i got uh, three yep. other people on uh, on hold. Gotcha. Yep, thank have you. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, you too. Thanks for the call. Let's go to uh, John down in Huntsville, Alabama, listening this morning. Go ahead, John. Morning, gentlemen. I've been down here two years now from East Central Illinois, living down here, and um, it's not all Alabama in Alabama. Uh, you got Auburn. There's a lot of Auburn fans in the Huntsville area. Plus, you do have A&M here. I believe Illinois played them. Oh, a preseason football one uh, of the early games here a few years back, uh, and you have a lot of Tennessee fans in here. So, uh, uh, in in Alabama. It is real tight everywhere you go, mostly, but there there are the other schools and there are supporters here. So have you turned into a Alabama fan yourself? Go Illini. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we appreciate that. Hey, I, 
What else you got, John? Anything? Uh, oh, I, I have some good battles. Uh, I'm a little more basketball and football. You know, but I support the line I football too. But boy, I have some good basketball arguments, especially now that Alabama's got a good basketball team. So got a guy a bowl with in a bowling league, and boy, we go at we go at it in basketball. You realize that Alabama had two players go ahead of Iota Sumo in the draft. Two. Oh, yeah. Alabama yeah, football they, school. Yeah. What's going yeah, on? They, 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 they got a really good basketball team, and they got some really good recruits, recruits coming in this year. And, and I see one of the preseason ones, I think, where they got Illinois at 12. I think Alabama's 13 or 14 right there with them. So, you know, they got a really good team this year. They got some good freshmen coming in. So, uh, you know, you can't look past them. Thanks, John. John, we appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's go to Eric in Champaign. Good morning, Eric. Hey, um, you guys conveniently forgot that Texas won the national title in 2005. You're right. <laughs> and they beat you're USC right. in the Rose Bowl. No, you're right. And, and they were in the game versus Alabama, and they would have probably won that one if Colt McCoy didn't get injured, too, in 2009, 10, somewhere yeah, around there. That's right. I, I, I went I went too many years. <laughs> When I said right. 20 years. <laughs> it, saying, it's, I, yeah, when you guys were saying that, I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, should have said Sorry 10 years. But they haven't um, been consistently talk, good. Right. Yeah, but, they keep firing coaches for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we were talking expansion, uh, wasn't uh, Pittsburgh and, and or Syracuse ever mentioned back in the day? Yes, yes they, they were. For geographical mm-hmm. reasons, uh-huh. anyway. Yeah. That's I'm, the team. Delaney looked into those schools. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Right, and wasn't it Eichenberry that from Illinois that brought in Penn State or the connection there because he was yes, a, sir. Yes, a sir. professor that is there? True. Or... Yep. yep. Right. So all that stuff seems to be the most uh, geographically logical stuff. We start talking, you know, USC or, or anything, and that seems kind of crazy. But Iowa State would probably be the second best football team in the conference if they brought them in right now. That's exactly <laughs> right. Know, after, yeah, exactly. So no, no one gives a lot of love to those guys for some reason. Although that's a short-term thing. It's just been the last couple of years. But, uh, yes, right. I, but no the, question, uh, Iowa State right now. But I don't think I don't think the Big Ten would be interested in Iowa State. You've already got Iowa in that state, and it's a very thinly populated state. I don't think they'd add any TV uh, benefit. Do you? Uh, probably. Well, the, within the state, yeah, but <laughs> not nationally, I suppose. But then, then remember who Iowa State's coach is. They got the they get the right Toledo coach. Don't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good show, guys. Have a keep keep it going. Okay, thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. One more call before our break here at the bottom of the hour. Mike in Champaign. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Hey, uh, one thing in this discussion about Big Ten expansion, uh, we need to not forget. Uh, yes, football is definitely king after from an athletic standpoint, but the Big Ten is the primary academic and research conference in the country, and it's still controlled by the Board of Presidents. That's exactly. Not to step on that Missouri. is correct. So not, not, that's the main reason, and not to step on Missouri fans' toes, Missouri was fine academically, but they didn't have near the research chops to be accepted by the other presidents. So unless... TV money wins out, it's going to have to be a very, very strong academic institution before the Big Ten presidents will allow it into the conference. Good point. That's why I kind of liked uh, the name Virginia when it was floated yeah. around a little bit. Yeah, it, 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 when, when we get down to 
actual business here. It comes down to AAU, the Association of American Universities, that uh, makes a determination. And, and by the way, Nebraska just made it before they lost that particular. Right. <laughs> right. They barely made it in, but <laughs> it's a. Uh... It's that, but that's a factor that we can't forget. It hey, is. appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Mike. Appreciate the call. What about the Boston College? Well, again, I if you're looking for another yeah. East partner, well, they, they've got a big market there in Boston yeah. and mm-hmm. Massachusetts, no question. I, I, I don't know. I just we're we're spreading out too much to suit me, right? And I. Uh, I don't. I have never heard Boston College. I haven't heard that mentioned anywhere, Just, except by you. <laughs> well, I, I got it from a text. Okay. Texter, but I'd heard Boston College mentioned mm-hmm. at some point along the way. But everybody's <laughs> probably been mentioned at some point. Moving up on ten thirty-five. Need to take that break. We're going to talk with Kedrick Prince from the Quad City Times coming up. Some basketball recruiting, finding a lot of basketball as well. Back after this. <laughs> 1037 on I Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 with the phone line open 217 356 9397. Text line as well 351 5357. If you'd like to join us either way, feel free to do so. We welcome into the program friend of the program, Kedrick Prince from the Quad Cities area. Good morning, Ked. How are you? Good morning, Joe. How are you today? Doing well. Got some basketball to talk about. Let's start with Io Dusumu. We've talked about that a couple of times uh, this morning, and I'm sure you've written about it and spoken about it as well over the last 48 hours about uh, the NBA draft, how that went down and how it uh, worked out, and uh, he ends up staying in his hometown. Your thoughts about that? Did you expect him, like we did, to go uh, late in the first round? Well, I was very vocal on social media about my thoughts about what happened to Io. Um, I heard Tim Anderson, I've heard a lot of people, I talked a lot of GMs, myself, or friends of mine that talked about Io being fine and financially he's going to be well off. But I guess I was just very, very disappointed. Uh, I'm not a fan of the NBA, and I'm not going to hide it. I just I don't like the way the salaries work out. I don't like the players, the way they go about evaluating players. You know, um, I think they – overanalyze, you know, kids, you know, the bottom line, I was a winner and he's done well. And one of my good friends, Dave Kaplan, you know, I used to run a radio show in the Quad Cities and he's been on my show a couple of times and, and I'm going to text him when this is over, but I disagree with his assessment of I.O. this morning. He asked if he was a point guard or was a two guard and is he a guy he could swing the ball around to and knock down shots? Yes, he is. The kids shot 39% from the three-point line. I saw guys get drafted shooting 29 and 30% from three. If those guys can go in the first round and they're shooting that from three, I certainly like to think Isle can do the same thing. He's a big enough combo guard to be able to play both. Um, I don't I don't really think he's going to be a point guard, but I think if he has to play it in spells, I think he's good enough to do it. It was just disappointing because of the work that this kid put in and him coming to the University of Illinois, turning the program around, and all the success he's had on the court and game winners. And he improved, like everybody said, to see him slip that far. 
that part was disappointing to me, but I'm happy for the kid and the family and the university that they have another guy in the NBA. And Lauren, you mentioned you're right. A lot of guys are going to come in, they're going to work. You know, Isle's going to do the same thing. I just hope he gets a fair shake at it and the, the Bulls give him a chance to prove that he is better than the 30th pick in the NBA draft. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that the Bulls are going to give him a extensive tryout. I mean, he'll play this summer with them and then he'll play – I think he'll be in the rotation when they start next season. Now, uh, I don't know how he's going to stack up. I just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm seeing guys that, uh, that uh, they, they go both directions. Some guys are fit the, the style, and other guys don't. I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't, but I, I don't think he's a point guard, frankly, uh, in the in the NBA. But I think he could. I think, like you said, I think he could spell somebody there. He's just a versatile guard. And something yep. about his, uh, the way he plays, something about that caused one school, one team after another to pass him by. I mean, I, I said after, you know, there was after number 20, which was uh, Jalen Johnson, who actually quit Duke in the middle of the season and came back and he was drafted 20. After that, after that number, there were 17 others that passed him by. And and I just couldn't understand. I mean, some of the guys I never heard of. Now there there were eight uh, foreign and G League players in this draft, which pushed Iowa back. But uh, I, I when you when you have that many uh, teams come to this same conclusion, I got to wonder what is it. I mean, I I just can't see what he, this guy's a first team. All-American. He's a Cousy Award winner as the top point guard in the country. I don't think he was the top point guard. I think the top point guard might have been Corbello. I don't even think he's the best point guard on the Illinois team. Frank, that's just me. But uh, I, I think he's certainly uh, he's got the talent to be a, a, a strong NBA player. And, and, and nobody has ever won as many awards as he did at the University of Illinois. Nobody ever. And Nobody ever made as many clutch baskets as he did, which is a great quality, I think, the ability to play in the clutch. And that's the end of my I speech. Think, I just said that it makes no sense. I don't – that's what you just explained to me is what is what my complaint has been for the last couple of days is because he's proven that he can win. And I think the NBA will talk about character. We all know what kind of, what kind of person he is. You look at the, the Jalen Johnson kid from Duke. He quit his AAU team, quit his high school team, and then he quit Duke. But yet, you're going to put, you're going to draft this guy in the first round. That doesn't show me that he's a winner. I just think it's then you have guys, you know, the analysts talking about, well, there was one kid. I'm not going to mention this other kid's name because that's not fair to the, to this to this player, student, this athlete. But you know, oh, he's a good athlete, but he averages eight points a game and and four rebounds a game. But he's a good athlete, and he shoots 29% from the three, but I think they can work on that. Why would you waste a first-round draft pick on a guy and hope that he's going to do well and he hasn't proven anything? I mean, people can say stats don't matter. I get it. But at some point in time, you've got to be able to put the ball in the basket and you have to get people who you know can play. I, the only thing I can think of is that I was 21 years old. The league is all about drafting guys, a lot of guys that are – um, 18, 19 years old. Absolutely. Teenage, just, it's a teenage it draft, and he's going to be 22 in yeah. January. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it makes no sense to me. And, like, to be honest with you, I, I look at a guy like Kofi, he's probably going to make more money in Illinois if he could 
if he said he don't want to go into the league because they're going to find every flaw possible with him. I saw a draft board yesterday had Andre Cabello um, in the top 25. And one of the knocks on Andre Cabello was, was he has to be able to continue to prove his three-point shooting. Why would you? They're still going to draft you. So to me, it's just talk. It's whether it's a, it's a fit for you. It's if they like you. And the biggest thing to me is your age. I think it's age, and they use the word upside. Otherwise, we're never going to figure this out, guys. Talking to Kedrick Prince, talking basketball. Phone line is open if you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. July is over all of a sudden, Ked. Uh, give us the latest on the recruiting trail. What? Uh, anything new out there? Well, you know, it's been really weird. I mean, I just got off the phone uh, this morning with a, a guy named Jaden Shute, who's out of Chicago, and or Yorkville, and he is a kid to me that I really, really hope that Illinois can land. I know Illinois is after this kid really hard. He ended up making the NBA Top 100 um, NBA camp, and you know, and the, everybody thought it was going to be a lock for him to go to Michigan State. And I just asked, I'm like, hey, you know, the rumor is that Michigan State's a lock. I don't know where that came from. He's very, very intrigued by Brad Underwood. Um, having Tim Anderson being hired now is great, and they know the history with, with Jeff. So having a kid like that on campus, if they can pull, uh, you know, trigger with a kid like that, because it's been a long time since Illinois has had a shooter, a, a shooter like that, that who just doesn't miss. You know, he was a top 150, but I, from all indications, um, you know, in the next few weeks, this kid may be a top 50, top 75 recruit. Um, I know they're looking for some size. You know, the kid named Cam Corn, who's a big kid that I know who loves Coach Chester Frazier. I mean, I don't think people realize the impact and the, the staff that Brad Underwood put together. And I'm not just saying this because it's in the moment. That's not who Kedrick is. I think this staff that he put together – it's truly amazing. They have covered so many holes and, and parts of the state and part of the country. It's just amazing. These kids love Coach Frazier. He has brought a different element and from kids that Illinois would have never gotten before, and they're interested. Cam Corn told me that he wouldn't even consider Illinois if it wasn't for Coach Frazier. So, and then you bring a guy like Tim Anderson. I called to a kid named Jamie Fears. He's a 23 recruit. I mean, I'll be honest with you, hiring Tim Anderson just put Illinois in a great situation. They're, they're in awe of it, and so is Jeff Alexander. I mean, they talked to this guy. So they've done their job. I think recruiting is going to be at an all-time high. People thought they were going to take a step back. That's not going to happen. Uh, Kevin, is, um, is August 1st, does that mean that it's the end of the summer evaluations, AAU evaluations? So what, yes, what happens yeah. from here now in, in the coming weeks? From a recruiting well, standpoint, it's a, good, it's a good question because Jaden told me this morning that now it's time for the schools to start setting up these visits. Uh, some of these schools are going to start setting up officials because he told me this week once the camp is over, I'm going to start setting up these visits. And I believe Illinois has a couple. I don't want to say for sure because I haven't you know verified it, but I know they have a couple kids coming down. From my understanding, for the Nebraska football game. Um, I know this is the time now where these kids are going to start setting these up. So all these lists with these 15 and 20 offers, you're going to see that dwindle down. You're going to start seeing the top 10, the top 8, and top 5. And these, the kids that get these official visits are the schools that they think they have the best shot at. 
And what I like about Illinois now, Coach Underwood said it, and Coach Anderson said the other day, just because you're from the state and you're a five-star recruit, they're going after kids who are the best fit for the university, regardless of where they're from, and they're trying to get those kids on campus for official business because now's the time to try to lock up the class of 22, then you can work on the class of 23. Did uh, Jaden shoot indicate uh, what he feels about uh, the University of Illinois and when he might be ready to make a decision? He said to me, "I know they're gonna. I know they're going to get an, another visit." From my understanding, um, when he was he visited unofficially, he was impressed because I think a lot of people aren't aware of the facilities at Illinois. Um, I talked to Coach Nancy Fahey a couple of times, and I interviewed Corey Irvin, you know, on the women's program. The facilities on the University of Illinois are second to none, and Jaden said the same thing. He was impressed with that, so I think. The, the you know the new practice facility coming up, the State Farm Center, um, the closeness of the kids. I think of the team. I think he was impressed with. Uh, I do know he's going to take five on official business. I mean official business. He's going to use all five, uh, unless some schools knock you know knock the socks off on a recruiting visit. That's his plan. I know his parents are really really involved. I know I know they love the University of Illinois and the staff. I mean I've seen that firsthand. But do I think Illinois leads? It's tough to say. I mean, I don't want to say that because, you know, things change daily, but I think Illinois is in a good situation with him. A couple of more minutes with Kedrick Prince. Uh, let's look at the upcoming version of this basketball team with Kofi Coburn back. Of course, uh, the super seniors, DeMonte and Trent back, three freshmen. How hard is it going to be for those freshmen to uh, crack a spot in the rotation? You know what? I, I have to give Coach Underwood credit. He finds a way to get these kids minutes. And when you think there's not enough playing time, he does. And I don't, I'm just kind of curious to see how he's going to do that because I do, I've heard a lot of good things, you know, about what's going on in practice. And, you know, I've heard things about the freshman class. They all offer different things. You know, um, obviously people know how strong Luke Goody is and he may be another option at a backup four because he can shoot and he's a good passer. RJ Melendez is just a freak of the nature athlete. You know, and then you got Brandon Pajinski, Mr. Basketball, Wisconsin, who can shoot it. So, but they're going to have to earn their minutes. And, you know, if you don't play defense, you know, Coach Underwood, you're not going to see the floor. I don't care what your rankings were in high school or what, you know, if you were a four- or five-star recruit, you have to guard. But the team itself, I'm very, very intrigued. And I think a lot of the people who have Illinois teetering around the 10 or 15 mark, that's because I don't think they know anything about Austin Hutcherson. I think the country doesn't know, and I think they're going to be surprised. Everything I've heard about practice and workouts with him is that he is just a different player who can play positions one, two, three, and maybe some four. That's a versatile player that they haven't had in their roster in I don't know how long. So, And then Colvin Hawkins has put on some weight. You know, and Omar Payne was a kid who I don't think got a fair shake at Florida uh, because I'm a loser and I watch basketball all the time. <laughs> the, the, the SEC had on TV this week all the, all the SEC games. So I got to watch Omar Payne play plenty of games this week. And I'm going to tell you, if Andre Cabell throws the ball at the rim, he's going to go get it. And I like the fact that he's going to give Illinois a chance to do some things defensively that they don't get the chance to do with Kofi. Kedrick, always enjoy talking to you, Quad City Times, and also does uh, some work for com. Thanks for taking time with us, and we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you. See you guys. Thank you for having me. You bet. If you want to follow Kedrick on uh, Twitter, it's at KedPrince4. And uh, Lana Guys on Twitter is at Lani underscore guys. We'll take a break and be back with more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Got about five minutes left on this edition of the program. Glad you've been with us uh, since 9 o'clock, if you have. Let's go to Bob. We've got a couple of calls. Bob in Urbana, what's on your mind? Uh, um, <clears throat> thanks for taking my call. I, I was thinking about the, the draft that we just had, and I believe in uh, it was last year when we had uh, the, the team that Coleman Hawkins was on, uh, Jalen Green was on that team, and Namari Burnett was on that team. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking at it, and in, in the game I saw at Centennial, which was the second day, I, I didn't get the first day, but I saw the second day, I thought Jalen Green was just kind of just a player. I thought Namari Burnett stole the show. He was doing everything as a point guard. Jalen Green was just there. Coleman Hawkins did well. He's as a shooter and, and did played a good game. But you think about those guys on that team, and there are players like that all over the country. If you you have a, a population of 330 million people in the United States, there are players that are just that just jump out at you and say, "Wow, these guys are really great players." And maybe that's what the NBA does if they have a good scouting. Uh, a technique they say okay there are there are at least 30 players that are going to be not heard of by everybody else but they're going to be the top guys and we're going to pay them four or five or seven million dollars to be in the first round well io played a great uh he did a great job for the university of illinois and i thought he was terrific and should have gone higher but like we were saying earlier if he's in the top 35 or 40 he's still in among those people who are the best best players uh, as as a young player in the country, and if he can make it in the NBA, it proves to me that he's going to be uh, a, a great player in the history of Illinois going forward. So, thank you. Yep, good points. Very well uh, said, Bob. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Hey, Steve. Good morning. Yeah, I was going to try and get in when Kenrick was on, but as the recruiting game has changed, how much will NIL? Will a high school kid determine if I can go to Illinois, but if I go to Duke, I might make more off of my name at Duke than I will at Illinois, regardless of the coach, regardless of the program. How many kids are going to look to see where can I make the most off of my name? A lot. The answer to your question is a lot. That's going to be a big decision maker. That's why Kofi came back, I'll tell you that. He can make more money right here than he can make anywhere else this season. You know, and even Chicago. I mean, if Kofi went up to Chicago, I, I'd hate to think what the endorsements he can make in Chicago off of some of the markets up there. Well, they're going to use Chicago. They're definitely going to use Chicago because the money in Chicago is just so much greater than it is downstate. It's just, it's just. Uh, Steve, you're familiar with with uh, Mike Small's golf outing and yeah. and how much more money they make than, for instance, the quarterback club had a nice event here the other day and made a few bucks. And had a nice turnout, but you in Chicago, it's it's, I'm going to say five to ten times more. And there's all kinds of people. And that's that, for golf, by the way, as opposed to football. Putting out a thousand dollars to play in a golf outing, there's people all over that would do that. Yeah. Hey, Steve, thanks. Appreciate it. A couple of minutes before 
11 o'clock. A couple of other notes. We had a text here a little bit ago about whatever happened to Alan Griffin. He left Syracuse. He was in the draft. He did not get drafted. And I don't know if he's hooked on with anybody for the summer league or not. Do you? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I He'll play somewhere this yep. year, probably professionally, but I don't think it'll be in the NBA. He had an, an unusual season in that he played about for about – I'm going to say close to two-thirds, over half, maybe two-thirds of the season. He was really strong, and he just uh, got on Bayheim's bad side toward the end. He was being jerked out of games early and not put back in, and it was really strange what happened to him. Nice story in the paper this morning, the News Gazette, Colin Likas on LaCante Nix, the new uh, head basketball coach at Champaign Central. Good uh, story of a guy paying his dues and finally rewarded the head coaching job, so congratulations there. Thanks to our guests, George McDonald, Illini wide receivers coach, David Kaplan from Chicago, Mike Carmen from West Lafayette, Tim Anderson, and Kedrick Prince. For Lawrence Tate, I'm Steve Kelly on WDWS Champaign-Urbana.